0: Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. Now, here he is, winner of the National Radio Hall of Fame Award, Michael Savage. This is the Savage Nation. I am Michael Del Giorno from Nashville, Tennessee, honored as always to be filling in for Dr. Savage. The phone number throughout the show, 855-400- 7282. That's 855-400-SAVAGE. And don't let those gift cards go to waste. Pick up a copy of God, Faith, and Reason at your favorite bookstore or at Amazon and start the year off 2018 right. Um I love New Year's because, you know, New Year's is kind of a, a that week between Christmas and New Year's is a time to effectively look back and impactfully plan forward, which is an important thing to do. I mean, that's kind of what we're all... Doing whether we acknowledge it or not, this entire week we're looking at the top stories of 2017 and processing and understanding. We're going to break down some of those for you. Um, as I was talking to the producers off the air, it, I happen to like Donald Trump. Uh, there's things about him I wish he would stop doing. There are things about him I'm very grateful he is doing. But I, you know, I I like him. Um, but if you, even if I hated the president of the united states i could not it would be irrational not to see the things that he's done uh, the promises he's kept and the impact of his presidency i mean you just simply can't ignore the dow being up 5000 a record and you can't go you know a mistake looking at the graph of where it begins and where it's at and it begins on an, right at his election And then boom, all the way through the first year of his presidency or the GDP being up 66%. So it becomes irrational and discrediting to hate a man so much that you try to make things that don't exist as if they exist. And we're seeing a lot of that. What I like to do is look at this year and understand it and plan forward in the new year because new years fascinate me. You know, I always say to somebody that I really love and care about, I don't just say happy birthday because I think happy birthday is like when you sneeze and somebody says, God bless you. It doesn't really mean anything. I mean, I make a point to tell them, you don't. wait a minute. You don't understand. I am so glad you were born. I am so glad you came into my life. I can't even remember my life without you in it. When I say happy birthday, I mean, I am so happy you were born. Now, it may not make it a happy birthday for them. They may not be having a particularly good day. In fact, in many cases, and the older we get, people don't like birthdays. They remind them they're dying. And then we do the same thing with Happy New Year. Happy New Year! That's what everyone is saying. But will it be? Now, at first, of course, it probably will be. I mean, after all, we haven't lived long enough for anything to possibly go wrong and blame on the new year yet after a few days, after a few weeks, then what? I mean, I wish it was that easy to just wish something and it were so. But that's Disneyland, Disney World. That's not real life. And it doesn't work for New Year's. Any better than happy birthday or even have a nice day. You may not be having one. But it doesn't stop us. In fact, I think we're never more superstitious than we are around New Year's. We shout it. We wish it. We even eat it green cabbage for more money in the new year, lentils for good luck, black-eyed peas for wealth. We all basically so desperately want to blame everything that's wrong in our life or went wrong in our lives on the previous year that we actually convince ourselves next year will be different. The problem is the calendar will change, but we probably will not. Now, 2017 was a year that Certainly said so long to Obama, which was great for me, and hello to Trump. We had tragic shootings at a concert in Las Vegas, at churches in Tennessee where I live, and in Texas. Terror attacks in the streets with trucks, malls with knives, and train stations with bombs. And yes, hurricanes, lots of them. We had NFL protests, we had sex scandals. We've even targeted, blamed, and removed and vandalized statues of historic figures that have been dead for over a century treating them as a greater threat than those threats alive today that go unchallenged and ignored. We say goodbye to Mary Tyler Moore, Don Rickles, Jerry Lewis, Tom Petty. We said hello to Camilla Cabela. Hello again to Will and Grace. J-Lo and A-Rod attached. Justin Bieber and Selena got back together. Brad Pitt and Angelina split. Star Wars ruled at the box office, and Game of Thrones ruled the big screen. Craft beers were all the rage. The Dow was up a record 5,000, and it was up the... It was all the roar. 2017 produced a lot of villains, but heroes, too, like J.J. Watt or Robert Engel. Or how about the California firefighters who have risked their lives for people's property? while meanwhile, our men and women who serve in the armed forces have been preserving our liberty and risking their life and decimating ISIS in less than a year under their new commander. Oh, 2017 had a lot of joy and sadness, villains and heroes. Losers and winners, good and bad. And I suspect the same is true in your personal life. I mean, after all, life is filled with joy, happenstance, circumstance, good choices, bad choices, you know, ups and downs. And I'm sure you want to find that dream job in the new year or that perfect match or soulmate in a relationship or stop that nasty habit that's jeopardizing your health and relationships. But I'm sorry, 2018, like all new years, holds no magical powers to achieve any of that. The ball that drops to end one year and light up the next at Times Square simply serves as a reminder to us all that time is ticking. And it's ticking on our hopes, our dreams, and our lives. But here's a couple of quick truths that I think will help you be unshakable in your perspective, regardless of the chaos of a changing time and news cycle and world. And it'll allow you to make real changes Rather than a bunch of New Year's resolutions. Truth one is. I was in a bathroom. At McGill's restaurant. Over 15 years ago in Tulsa Oklahoma. And I'm going number one. And I read a sign and it says. Days are long but life is short. It was such a profound thing to read. It reminded me immediately. Of like elementary school. Do you remember how long. A school year took to go by. Your childhood is a flash. But every school year. Took forever. I will bet there's some guys down the hall here where I work uh, that are Tennessee Titans. I'll bet for them a season goes by so slow and takes so long, and yet their career will pass like a, f- a flash. It's like a it's a profound mystery of time and on Earth. I want you to know when you cut through all of that, because days are long and life does go by fast. And it's much easier understood looking backwards than it is looking forward, but unfortunately must be lived looking forward. Here's the truth. You are who you are and right where you are by the choices you've made. And, unfortunately, probably your reactions rather than responses to circumstances that happened. And nations are no different circumstances and choices shape our lives our values rules for those values beliefs our experiences our priorities they shape our choices and ultimately together they shape our destiny confused yet wondering which comes first the choice or the character well like all the great mysteries in life the answer is both of course if you don't like your life stop blaming the year and change Trust me, that type of personal responsibility, that type of willpower will take some character. But I promise together it will create more than just a happy new year. It might even create a happy you. Now, another truth is to remember, New Year's is as much about future, the mysterious unknown, as it is about getting another chance, a clean slate. Here's what I know most about the future. It's shaped by today, our understanding Of Today, our focus today, our actions today, it's polished by the unexpected. The future is rarely about the expected. Ask any president who has served. It's mostly about the things you never thought would happen. The unexpected. Moreover, our response to the unexpected. By the way, a prepared person responds. An unprepared person reacts. And this is where character seems to come in. And making good choices. Now you may say, what's the difference between reacting and responding? Everything. It's the difference between success and failure. Between smart and stupid. And in some cases, between life and death. When attacked, a prepared person always responds unsurprised, calm, measured, and with successful actions. Unexpected attacks on an unprepared person almost always responds quickly, regretfully, and ends in failure. Or with a problem, frankly, that is bigger than the one that attacked him in the first place. And what do I mean by that? See the year 2017 and listen to the next two hours and 45 minutes. That really is exactly what 2017 was. So bottom line, as for truth two, mm, there's no getting around truth one. We are where we are. And who we are by the choices we make and the responses to circumstances that happened. And if that's how we got here, how do we get out of this mess? Well, that's the good news. You see, if you think like you did this year, next year. If you eat like you did this year, next year. Hang around the same people. Stay in the bad relationships or avoid getting the good relationships next year like you did this year. Spend the way you did next year the way you did. Earn next year the way you earned this year. I suspect next year is going to go a lot like this year. But the magic of 2018, it's not the printed calendar. It's the fact that it holds 365 days, seven days in each week and 24 hours in each day. To make better choices. Use that clean slate. Prepare yourself to respond and not react. Change the way you eat. Exercise. Manage your time better. Prioritize better. Make better career choices. Get rid of those nasty habits that are jeopardizing your relationships and your health. Stop with the relationships that are bad. and Embrace the ones that are good. Hey, who knows? Better choices might make a healthier you. A more fulfilled family. A better you with a better job. Hey, it could even equal a happier you. Which, if we go full circle, means it could actually mean a happy new year. Now, isn't that better than just saying, I'm so grateful today to be spending this time with you, America, while Michael Savage rests his big brain and his passionate spirit? And I think of all weeks this is a great week to be together. Because we get to look back at 2017, understand it in ways other people that don't listen to this show or are relying blindly on other hosts and shows, the way they don't get it, we'll get it. And by getting it, we'll be more prepared to understand 2018 and triumph in 2018. So let's start that exercise together. I'm Michael Giorno, in for Dr. Savage. And this is the Savage Nation. Savage. This is the Michael Savage Show in the Savage Nation. But this isn't Michael Savage. Uh, It's little Mikey, Michael Del Journal from Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, I'm honored, as always, to be filling in for Dr. Savage. Um, you know, the whole point of that whole opening message is simply this. I don't think we're prepared to live 2018 until we first understood 2017 and put it into proper sp- perspective. There are those that are in control of the narratives in America and the narratives don't match the truth. And so sometimes you probably ask yourself, well, how is this working out? I think in most cases um The two analogies I have that are the most true of what I've experienced in 2017, it's kind of like after a Super Bowl. Now, maybe your team didn't win, but would you really want to spend the next year in the loser's locker room and just never let go? That's kind of what it's been like. You know, we don't ever move on because those in control of the narrative, you've seen the montages, I'm sure. They didn't want, they didn't think it could happen. They told you it could never happen. They mocked the thought of it ever happening. And then when it did, we had to wait till what? Two o'clock in the morning in order for Donald Trump to come out and acknowledge his supporters that he had won because they couldn't bear accept it, or maybe Hillary was having some emotional or physical breakdown. And you have literally seen that tantrum continue. So sometimes when I'm on the radio, and I don't know if Dr. Savage feels this way, he probably doesn't discuss it, he just rolls up his sleeve and does it, but it's almost like if you're, you know, your favorite team is playing in a football game and you're listening to the radio and your announcer is only telling you when your team scores, they don't tell you when the other team scored. And so you're under this false impression that your team is winning 40 to nothing when you wake up the next morning and you're shocked to find out you actually lost 42 to 40. So there's all these false narratives out there, this vitriol, or what I like to call the death of journalism. And you saw the death of journalism throughout the primaries in the general election last year, and you have seen it in high gear throughout this year. I want to give you an example of that because I have two minutes, and this will set up the rest of the opening hour. I'm reading a piece on CNN. I know, laughable, right? But this is so delusional, I have to share it with you. It says, President Trump is probably right. He doesn't get due credit for the volume of achievements he stacked up during a tumultuous political year. Now, so far, I'm fine, right? Because it has been a tumultuous political year. Hasn't been a tumultuous first year of the presidency. And here's CNN admitting he's not getting the due credit for the volume of achievements. That is kind of new for America to have a president achieving something. But watch his next sentence. But to judge his presidency so far, simply on the bills passed, regulations slashed, executive orders signed, and campaign promises kept, would be to paint a skewed picture of the most divisive and controversial new administration in generations. I mean, I started my career exposing media bias This is so beyond that, so brazen, so delusional, so irrational. It doesn't even make sense. I don't know how the guy wrote it and hit send. I don't know how an editor read it and posted it. You mean other than a politician keeping his promise? Getting out of bad deals? Letting friends know we're their friends, enemies know we're their enemy? The Dow up 5,000, the GDP up 66 percent, tax cuts for the corporations, North Korea in check, ISIS decimated. You mean, other than making America great again, that would be an awful way to look at this first year. Let's look at the truth next on the Savage Nation Sea so a Real Perspective. Savage. 855-400-SAVAGE is the phone number. This is the Savage Nation. I'm Michael DelGiorno in Music City, USA. Not too late to get your tickets for the Music City Bowl Friday night. Uh, Honored, as always, to be filling in for Dr. Savage. Don't let your holiday gift cards go to waste. Use them for something good. Food for your brain. Pick up a copy of God, Faith, and Reason. We waited a long time. Uh, for this masterpiece from Dr. Savage. And it's in stores and at Amazon. And you can use your gift cards and start the year off right. Um, I kind of opened up with what I mean by when I say Happy New Year and the importance that we think differently, speak differently, act differently, and live differently. Otherwise, next year is going to be pretty much the same as it was this year. And the reality is the same for a nation. Now, we have a big disadvantage, and that is a brazenly biased false narrative and media. And so part of what I set up using that CNN piece was the irrational delusional loser locker room tantrum of the left. And that's ABC, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, CNN and yeah, Fox with the exception of Tucker and Hannity and and now Laura, they're not much better. But these people, you need to understand, they're not going to get better. It's going to get worse. Because next year we're going to enter a midterm election cycle and they desperately want to put a check and balance in on this president. Why? Their greatest fear is he's not failing. And it's going to get even more dramatic next year when he starts succeeding. So in all the discussions, whether you're listening to the radio or watching television, people are going to tell you these were the top stories. In other words, this is what shaped us in 2017. But you don't have an honest middleman in the bunch. You saw journalism literally die right before your eyes. In 2016, during the election cycle, and you have seen the confirmation of that death of journalism throughout 2017. And I got news for you. If Michael hasn't told you, if other hosts haven't told you, it's going to get a lot worse in 2018. And it gets to the point where you go, How can they have any credibility with anyone? And how is that lack of credibility when joined together with proof of success going to fare out? Now, I'll tell you, as I've told my local listeners, I think it probably, and I'm going to give you a great example of this, why I say this. I think it's going to be harder on Republicans because they are split. I mean, I think if we learned anything during the primary that the establishment Republicans are as much an enemy of true conservatives or true Americans, true constitutional or maybe you're evangelical conservative Americans. They're as much your enemy as the far left. They proved that throughout the primary. They proved that once we got into the general. They proved it with the Trump dossier that they handed off to the DNC to Hillary. And they continue to prove it throughout this year. I'll give you an example, though, of what I really mean. Take this tax. First of all, my opposition to what the president just signed into law is that they called it reform. That's part of it. That's not reform. That's a targeted tax cut and a smart one. But it's not permanent and it sunsets. That's number one. Uh, number two, it's not reform and simplification and immoral and principle and constitutionally It's just as flawed as what we've had. It's still the government assuming it's their money and not yours who earned it and that they better know how to spend it than you and they will decide who gets cuts and who gets increases. We'll pick the winners and losers. In principle, it's just as flawed. So in principle, of course, I would say I was against it because it's A, not reform. B, it's not permanent. And see, constitutionally, morally, and principally, it's no different. I don't blame the president. I blame Republicans in control of the House, of the people, and the United States Senate, the club of the filthy 100. So as Republicans and members of Congress, they should have considered real reform. They had a president in the White House that would have signed it. They had control of the Senate and the House. But now take it from a Trump perspective. It was brilliant. All Donald Trump promised and all that desperately needed to be immediately delivered were massive corporate tax cuts. Well, you know, only in America. America's really messed up, mainly because it thinks it knows everything based on what a leftist teacher or a leftist professor, or a leftist television or radio commentator has told them. They will all kiss the butt of anybody who takes an entrepreneurial risk and starts a business. Oh, that's the greatest thing in the world. You you started a business. Oh, we love small businesses. Now, if that business should ever get successful, really successful, and become a large corporation that employs thousands upon thousands, then the devil itself, right? So who could actually make their first order of business, and I would have started with spending reform before tax reform, but who would make their first tax cut order of business, corporate tax cuts? Knowing that the left's narrative, and they're in control of the narrative through radio and television, would simply say, well, here's a, here's a rich guy, a big corporation guy. You elected him president, and what did he do? He helped evil corporations. Well, heck, Bernie Sanders is doing it today, delusionally. So in the end, you get what the president promised. We can't compete globally with these high corporate tax rates. Now, the assumption is, that, as Bernie Sanders will tell us later in the show, they're just going to use that to give their CEO raises, really. Companies get big because they're smart. They take risk. They succeed. Do you think that they built these great companies and suddenly now with all this, and by the way, if they pay down debt, that'll just increase their value to their shareholders which will help you in your 401k. So that's going to get to you. And if you didn't invest, well, shame on you for being a dummy and not investing. But of course, they will expand. Of course, they will be what they've always been. Market leaders, product developers, customer satisfiers. So what happens? Creates jobs. Now, what we didn't do that Reagan and John F. Kennedy did is we didn't do top to bottom across the board. Real reform. Take away all uncertainty. It's immediate. Take away all uncertainty. There's no sunset. It doesn't expire. It's permanent. And it's for every individual, every family, and every company. Across the board, top to bottom. Why? Because that money is immediately released into the marketplace. And as you spend, businesses expand. As they expand, they hire. More taxpayers burden less. Is the best way to fund government. It's been proven twice by Kennedy and Reagan. And it is the quickest way to heal and prosper an economy. And it's morally, constitutionally, and principally correct. Taxation was never a bedrock of our republic, ever. It was a temporary tax for a world war, and it went away. Then we had another world war, temporary tax, 1% for everybody, only it didn't go away. And it led to the new deal, the raw deal. And then the great society. And now it's gotten to the point where the government thinks when you go to work, it's their money and they'll tell you how much you get to keep. And they'll spend it better than you when they've proven they don't. So was I against it? Well, yeah, I'm against Republicans for making this their idea of tax reform. Fair tax, flat tax. Yeah, I'd have been all on board. That's real reform. This is the same picking and choosing, but it was great for Trump. He gets his corporate tax rates down to nearly 20 percent, just as he promised. The Dow is up 5,000 beyond record, beyond anyone's imagination. GDP is up 66 percent. The wall prototype is being formed. That's almost a symbolic you have to do it, but I mean the travel ban and casting his first judicial appointment. Neil Gorsuch, he found somebody as conservative as the one he replaced. ISIS it's a top story today, has lost 98% of its territory, which means 100% of its effectiveness and credibility virtually. In one year under this commander-in-chief, I would say he's finally destroyed the enemy in less than a year, an enemy that Obama created with vacuums and policy stood up to North Korea. I mean, I could go on and on and it would be delusional. Even if you hate, I mean, you could hate, you could hate his family. You can hate his wife. You can hate his hair. You can hate the way he talks. You could hate his hotel. You could just hate him, but you can't acknowledge. This has not been a tumultuous first year. This has been a remarkable first year. With unbelievable, real measurable success. Now the tax cuts they don't start till next year. Now I don't know how much you're gonna get. I've kind of done my numbers. Some ways I think I might maybe maybe I make fifteen hundred more. Maybe it's about the same. I don't know. Others will make far more. And it's pretty across the board. There's about one hundred and fifty eight million tax winners in this. There's only about forty six million losers. So more of benefiting than being hurt. It is money released into the economy and it will work and it will prosper and it will grow. It's a smart targeted tax cut and the president keeps his promise. But not reform, but I'll hold Republicans in Congress responsible for not doing that. For a president, he signed in an effective tax cut. My 401k is to the roof. We just saw... A 5% increase in spending this holiday. Home values are up 6%. I mean, I wonder what scoreboard stat they can go to. And it hasn't stopped them. I mean, that's the part I want to impress upon you. When you watch television, it's like it's delusional. Do you know CNN made a big deal out of the president said on Christmas, and now tomorrow it's back to work. And then they caught him on the golf course. That'll tell you something about these leftist nerds, right? They're obviously not athletes. Because I'm here to tell you, golf is work. (laughs) All joking aside, a president can get back to work and take a break for a round of golf. Didn't Obama do it for eight years? Isn't that about all he did for eight years? When he wasn't creating the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt? Or a vacuum in ISIS in Iraq and Syria? But there's no end to it. Now, my point was... Will you feel it next year? You know, you probably feel it more when you do your tax return than you will in your take-home pay. But a lot of this stuff will go in motion. Look at how the stock market rose just upon his election, let alone the regulations that have been taken away, the bad deals we've gotten out of, the trade deals we're getting out of. And I think some of these world leaders are listening too much to the left in the media. They don't know what they're talking about. They might want to clue in to the fact that the president means what he says, says what he means. Look at North Korea and the sanctions and Russia and China are on board. And they keep tightening that noose. He said he would acknowledge Jerusalem is the capital of Israel, and he has. Now other nations are joining. And for those that didn't, they're getting less of our cash. Friends know we're friends. Enemies know we're enemies. I mean, I can't think of a president in the first year that it's accomplished more than Donald Trump. And I'm not a Donald Trump fan. I'm not an enemy, but I'm not a a huge fan. But I'm not delusional. I can tell you what he's doing is working, regardless of these false narratives. And if this is how they acted on election night in 2016, and this is how they've acted all year, so brazenly, by can you imagine next year? This is the tantrum. Well, 2016 was the tantrum of him winning when they said he couldn't. This year was the tantrum of him having won and being actual president and not failing. Can you imagine next year when he starts really succeeding? How much more vicious and violent, or what I would like to say discrediting and ineffective, will the left in the media be in 2018? Well, I got news for you. I can't wait to see, read, watch, and make fun of Because it's coming helping you understand this year so you're more prepared to know what's coming next year. I'm Michael DelGiorno, in for Dr. Savage, and this is the Savage Nation. Savage. There are other corporations, by the way, who are involved now in corporate buybacks. Uh, where dividends are going to go up for the CEOs of the largest corporations. Uh, nobody denies that we have right now a tax system in which one out of five major profitable corporations pay zero in taxes. This legislation makes a bad situation worse, and it drives up the deficit. Many large corporations are going to use their tax breaks to make CEOs wealthier and do very little for workers. Oh, yeah, very little. Um, you know, again, the left is going to be the left. I mean, that Bernie is singing from the same songbook that he drug Hillary to the far left of socialism to saying they hate corporate. They hate capitalism. You know, these are socialists. They never have a problem with a government in debt, a government expanding, and a government employing. But they always have a problem with a corporation. All right. So that this is big centralized government socialism. Of course he's going to hate these tax cuts. The question is, how is this resonating with the American people? How old is that rhetoric? And my, my ultimate point is, I do think it's going to be a challenging year for Republicans in a midterm election. I don't see anything challenging the president in 2020 in his re-election. I don't even see a candidate, let alone the left hasn't figured out. They haven't gone beyond identity politics. They haven't gone beyond just hating something. Their ideology is morally and intellectually and fiscally bankrupt. And like the Wizard of Oz, when Toto has pulled away the curtain, but they keep pulling the knobs. They don't realize we're all seeing it. And as America, as the president continues to succeed, and America continues to prosper, it's going to be very interesting to see if they get a new narrative. Because the one they have and the candidates they have Haven't worked yet. I think if you keep saying and doing the same things, expecting a different result, that's the definition of insanity. But I've always said it's a mental. Liberalism is a mental illness. It's certainly a a spiritual disorder. Uh, Bernie proving that. Um, It's kind of you know, you lose a sense of your credibility and soul when you ignore what is working and keep preaching something that everyone is already rejecting. Uh, prosperity is their biggest enemy in 2018 and 2020 we'll have more on that on the Savage Nation next Savage Warning the Savage Nation contains adult language adult content, psychological nudity, listener discretion is advised Now, here he is Winner of the National Radio Hall of Fame Award, Michael Savage. I'm just wondering, do we have to report psychological nudity to HR now under the new NBC rules? Well, we'll look at those in just a little bit. I'm Michael Dell Journal from Nashville, Tennessee. Honored to be in for Dr. Savage. And this is the Savage Nation. 855-400-7282. 400 savage Don't waste those holiday gift cards so generously given to you. Use them. Pick up a copy of God, Faith, and Reason at your favorite bookstore or at Amazon and start your 2018 off right. I do. I love filling in for Dr. Savage. It's, um, it's my chance to get a chance to spend a little time with America um, and wish you all, uh, hopefully, you had a great Merry Christmas. Um, I did not get a copy of Michael Savage's book, God, Faith, and Reason. I thought that would come from the management, being a, a fill-in host. It did not arrive. I did get V.I. Poo from my wife. You don't see that in the jewelry commercials. And now we can all, of course, press on towards New Year's. And that's really what we're doing today. We're kind of looking back at 2017 and understanding it properly because there are so many false narratives and and a sea of chaotic leftist voices out there. But to truly understand 2017 and prepare ourselves for 2018. And I think, you know, you look at all these different lists of top stories of the year. Uh, many of them will put the sex scandals at number one. And, um I really think Donald Trump is number one. I mean, the new president. We said goodbye to Obama and an ideology that went along with it. And we said hello to Donald Trump. And Donald Trump said hello to the world and made it crystal clear. Our friends will know they're our friends, and our enemies will know they're our enemies. And both will respect us, and we will restore credibility on the world stage again. And that's saying something after eight years of making enemies feel like friends and friends feel like enemies. The president has kept an enormous amount, an extraordinary amount of his promises in the first year. Not the least of which is recognizing Israel's capital because it's Israel's capital. (laughs) Palestine is not a state and it doesn't have a capital. And They don't want a portion of Israel. They want all of it. And now other nations are joining. The president's just election. I mean... Merely, you know, Obama showed up and he got a Nobel Peace Prize before he did anything. Donald Trump showed up before he did anything. The market responded. And what a year it's been. That was just removing the uncertainty, removing the threat, adding a capitalistic ideology into the White House. Boom, the market went crazy. And the president delivered. And so the Dow is up 5,000. The GDP is up 66%. And now a tax cut as promised for corporations. I mean, the travel ban. ISIS has lost 98% of its territory in one year. When you're a caliphate and you don't have territory, you don't have any cred. He has decimated ISIS in a single year as commander-in-chief. Obama created it. He made the right appointment, judicial appointment, and the right guy to replace the one that left. I mean, could Antonin Scalia have had a better successor than Neil Gorsuch? I mean... Listen, you lose all sense of rationality and credibility. You can say, I just hate him. But you can't say it hasn't been a good year. And yeah, there were hurricanes. And yeah, there were terrorist attacks. And yeah, there were sex scandals. And yeah, there was a Mueller investigation. But none of them had the impact. The market didn't crash. The market rose. Donald Trump, out of everyone, was the story of 2017. Now, after that, I love the Mueller investigation. You know, we we use that example of CNN and how delusional it was. It's literally describing everything the president did successful in his first year. And then delusionally saying, but I mean, if you just view the kept promises and the slashed regulations and the market responses, that wouldn't be the true understanding of how divisive and volatile this year has been in this presidency. I mean, they're, they're nuts. They really are nuts. But my favorite story was just last week. Where all the Democrats are coming out. These these guys have nothing. When I tell you their vision bankrupt, intellectually bankrupt, spiritually bankrupt they just bankrupt, constitutionally bankrupt. They got nothing. They don't have any candidates, they don't have anything to say, anything to offer. And all week it was Well, if the president removes Mueller, we will release articles of impeachment. And the White House comes around and says, Well, we're not gonna And I'm laughing. I'm go- falling in laughter. Why would Donald Trump remove Mueller? Could things be going any better for Donald Trump? The more they dig, they can't find a tie. The more they dig, we can find ties to a dossier. Establishment Republicans, there's vindication for the primary. We can find the connections with the DNC and Hillary. We can find connections with Uranium One, pay to play at the State Department. We can find out flaws in how they handled Hillary and covered for her. And I got news for you. Have you heard the latest from today? Oh, this is beautiful. Sit back and relax. The Justice Department has scolded the Obama administration following a report on how sexual harassment. Now, you got to stop right there, right? And love this. Could it have just happened? Maybe, but I don't think so. The presidency began with the leftist feminist march in Washington. I actually think all of these sex scandals have more to do with weaponizing allegations for the purposes. And they would eat their own. A couple of members of their own Senate and House. They would eat, you know, sacred guys that have raised a lot of money for them. A lot of Hollywood leftists. Which, I mean, the good news for 2018 is maybe everybody in Hollywood will shut up. Stop telling the rest of us how to live when their life is a mess. But, I mean, they end up losing Harvey Weinstein, a bundler, a fundraiser. Matt Lauer, Garrison Keeler. I mean, it's a who's who, right? You think it was going to be Bill O'Reilly. Oh, they dug deeper. <laughs> it ended up being all of them. Very discrediting. But, you know, the Washington Post, that they are like the National Enquirer today. You go to the National Enquirer, you get real news. You want to find out who's been up to what sexually? You go to the Washington Post. So all this, I believe, leftist-created, weaponized sexual harassment. By the way, it is a systemic cultural issue in Hollywood, thanks to sin and debauchery and anything goes, as well as in Washington. And if you're keeping score, there's far more on the left that have been caught up in this. But here's Donald Trump, right? What did he say to a Billy Bush and the boss is so disgusting that a women literally feared for their lives? I don't know. They, like they thought the president and Secret Service was going to round them all up and assault them. And now what do we find out? There's nothing sexual and appropriate going on in a Trump White House. But what about the Obama White House? Well, the digging is fine. I mean, the more Mueller digs, he finds nothing on Trump. But we find more and more on Obama, on Hillary, the DNC. It is really laughable. And the notion that the left would think that Donald Trump would ever fire this guy. He he can't connect any dots. Don't hire somebody that might. And the more he digs, the more he finds left stuff. So you got to love it. So here comes the Washington Post reporting that the Department of Justice Inspector General has found systemic problems with how complaints were addressed with offended officials often being let off the hook, offending officials being let off the hook, or even rewarded. The article cited investigative reports on lawyers who allegedly groped two female attorneys and a top U.S. marshal official who had sex with approximately nine women in his office. This is all going on. In the Obama administration, not the Trump administration. The Post reported that the IG found one top attorney in the Office of Immigration Litigation, Victor Lawrence, groped the breasts and buttocks, I would presume this is like the H.W. ripe squeeze, of two female trial attorneys at a happy hour. He reportedly got reprimanded, a title change, and relief from supervisory duties, but was not suspended and did not receive a loss in pay or grade, let alone fired. There reportedly was a concern uh, that a suspicion would deprive the government of his services. One woman who was identified told the Post she was terrified to even get in an elevator out of concern for being there. This is the Obama administration, not the great sexual threat Donald Trump or his administration. Now, if you're missing the irony of this, and I realize this is just my suspicion, it could all just be what it is, abandoning God, his way, his truth, his life, absolute truth, absolute right, absolute wrong. For this anything-goes-debaucherous lifestyle. And then suddenly somebody changes the rules. And somebody decides, well, 30 years ago it may have felt consensual, but now I feel victimized. And now your life gets to be ruined. Now, if there are people who have done things, companies who didn't respond properly, there are civil courtrooms and there are police stations and there are criminal courtrooms. We don't need new rules. We just have bad players. But somebody allowed this to get so weaponized to where it would get to the 15th, 17th, 27th, 89th person. And it's just you're guilty until proven innocent. That's a weaponized allegation that I believe the left willfully at least promoted and helped create for the purposes of turning and using it on on Trump. But it didn't work the first time during the election, and it didn't work again this year. And now they got members of Congress going home, Hollywood discredited, and now the great sexual predator Donald Trump hasn't done anything but be a husband to his wife, and we're finding scandals within the Obama administration. They created a gun and turned and shot themselves with it. If you don't love that, as the ball drops on Times Square, you just don't get irony. That's Trump. That's Mueller. That's sex scandals. What about the stories nobody is putting on their list? You see, that's where bias originates in the stories it ignores versus the one it covers. Then it goes on to angles it explores, angles it ignores. People it interviews, people it wouldn't dare interview. The quotes that they choose to use, the quotes they edit and don't use. So they can craft a false narrative. I think everybody would agree that Donald Trump, the Mueller investigation, sex scandals, the Vegas shooting, terror attacks, of course, hurricanes, North Korea, that these would all be on the list. What were the most shaping stories of 2017? And everyone's missing. I'll share with you next. I'm Michael Del Giorno in Nashville, Tennessee. Honored to be filling in for Doctor Savage. Wishing you a happy new year. This is the Savage Nation. Savage. This is the Savage Nation. I'm Michael Del Giorno. Honored to be filling in for Doctor Savage and uh, wishing you all a very early. Happy New Year. We're kind of exploring some of the top stories of 2017 and a better understanding of them to prepare ourselves to live in 2018. And certainly Trump would be on that list, not for the reasons the left will tell you, uh, but for a year of kept promises and great economic and foreign policy success. Uh, for the Mueller investigation, you got to love irony. The more they dug to try to find a connection between Trump and Russia, they found connections between the establishment Republicans in Russia the DNC and the Hillary campaign in Russia, or even the Uranium One deal with the Clinton Foundation, but haven't found that smoking gun yet pointing to Donald Trump. And for the big sex predator that he was portrayed to be, none of that. But now we have a, DOG, a DOJ scandal with the Obama administration over harassment, groping, and office sex, and how it was handled in the Obama administration. you got to love irony, right? Here's the left. Perpetuating all these false narratives, creating all these weapons, and then they end up shooting themselves with them. Matt Lauer is another great example of that. Um, you know, all of these, you know, sex scandals, some of them, and, you know, I think um, Matt Damon's a great example of you can't win for losing, addressing it. All Matt Damon said was for some of these people that were predators, that were assaulting or were raping, there are jails, there are police stations. There are courtrooms for them. But we've got to be careful as this gets weaponized and out of control. Why? Well, because there's a big difference between a joke that wasn't funny and rape. Something that was consensual and assault. I mean, we can't just view them all the same. That's weaponizing. Well, now they've turned their attention to him. See, it's the left that makes the no rules and then changes the rules. And it's most of them that have been doing it. And they're the most of the ones that have fallen. Now, I think another great example is Matt Lauer. When I think of one of the greatest hypocrisies of the year 2017, it's Matt Lauer smugly grilling Bill O'Reilly on treatment of women, knowing everything we know now about Matt Lauer. That's breathtaking. Listen, I am not a judgmental person, and I never delight in anybody's failures. I don't, ever. Maybe that's because I need so much grace from God. I'm very merciful and gracious back towards people. So I never delight in other people's bad moments. He was doing that, knowing everything we now know about him. That's just breathtaking to me. It's one thing to have done something wrong and know it and admit it and confess it and repent it. Just as I would say, it's one thing to fail God's standard. And then it's a completely another thing to be hypocritical and portray something you know you're not living. So Matt Lauer was the problem, right? Not according to NBC. The left and the, not living and creating this debaucherous lifestyle and then failing its own standard. That was a problem. Not according to NBC. In fact, not only were they the problem, they want to create a different problem so that they can create a different solution and one that affects all of us. Do you ever like get super glue and think, why does it have to say not to put in your eye? Who would try to super glue? Well, some idiot super glued his eye. And that's why it's got to be on every package. Because some moron's going to take cold medicine and make a drug with it. i got to show my ID just to get a cough syrup now. Well, if NBC has its way, presuming that all men are filthy pigs like Matt Lauer, out-of-control predators like Matt Lauer, no, we're going to make people who don't report, never mind they're not doing anything immoral, but don't report immorality, we're going to make them the problem. And fire them. And it's NBC's problem today. It could be all of ours tomorrow. I'll explain what I mean next on The Savage Nation. Savage. This is The Savage Nation. I'm Michael Giorno in Nashville, Tennessee. Honored to be filling in for Dr. Savage, who's resting that big brain. That passionate spirit, so we can come back and hit you hard in the new year or maybe even surprise you before the end of the week. uh Our phone number, 855 400 SAVAGE, 855 400 7282. Don't let those holiday gift cards go to waste. Pick up a copy of God, Faith, and Reason with that gift card at any bookstore or Amazon and start your 2018 off right. All right, we're kind of going through some of the top stories. Again, uh, you know. I think first and foremost, and I look at life through three different lenses, so I hope that's not offensive after all. Dr. Savage's book is God, Faith, and Reason, and I use all three. So I think what we're seeing systemically in America today that has led to one of our top stories of 2017, which is the sex scandals, is the bankruptcy of a false gospel. Somebody needs to look you in the eye and say the left, whether it's your school teachers or liberal professors or the intelligentsia elite or the... Hollywood left that are indoctrinating you and attacking traditional values and beliefs every day in sitcoms, every day in television shows, every day in motion pictures. It's their moral bankruptcy that has created this problem. And they like to play themselves up to be the victims when, in fact, they're the perpetrators. They love the fact that they have weaponized this into a weapon they thought they could use on Trump. And it would work this time, and it didn't. A war on men, a war on Trump, now a war on workplace. So the systemic failure is the false gospel, that there is no right or wrong, that anything goes if it's... I mean, I think Louis C.K. is the great example of 2017. Louis C.K. looked everybody in the eye and said, I didn't think I was doing anything wrong. I would ask them before I exposed myself. That's a really sad statement, about a systemic culture of immorality. But that is the definition of moral relativism. So somebody said there are no rules, there are no rights, there are no wrongs. Oh, but suddenly we created this one. And now you have no way of getting forgiveness. No way of redeeming yourself. Oh, I think if you miss, and that's what we're doing, the real stories that happened that no one will tell you. That's the big shaping story of 2017. The moral bankruptcy The false gospel of liberals that do everything to mock anybody that believes in God, believes in God's plan for manhood, womanhood, the family. They mock it. They tear it down. And they've done something you haven't noticed. They've replaced it. And they've created this problem. But now they want to make the problem Trump. Now they want to make the problem men. And now NBC's taking it to a whole new level. And they want to impact all of our workplaces. So here's the new rules according, you know, Matt Lauer was the problem. Matt Lauer was a sexual deviant, period. He was a fornicator, an adulterer. Uh, you know, much of it was consensual. Much of it was inappropriate. It just showed you what was on this guy's mind at every second. And the fact that this company would, and by the way, there's another great irony in the year 2017. He's gone and the ratings haven't budged. NBC, you morons. You've been protecting this sexual predator. Paying him all those millions of dollars. And he wasn't even worth it. But that's not going to be it. So Matt Lauer, and by the way, I want Matt Lauer to learn from this. He should he should leave this false cultural gospel and enter a real one where he can get real forgiveness. He can get a new mind, a new heart, and a new chance. So I'm not bashing him. But he was the problem, and NBC allowing it was the problem. NBC, fix yourself, not others. And now what are they going to do? They're going to target innocent people. So the network has reportedly issued strict new rules that are going to require that employees report any misbehavior by their colleagues. And if they don't, they risk getting fired. Now, there was nothing wrong with the old system. The old system is it's not harassment until you tell me to stop and I don't. Right, I may think I'm being funny. And then it's up to you to say, that's making me uncomfortable. And then I know, stop doing that. This person doesn't get my sense of humor, or maybe I wasn't appropriate, in which case, forgive me, it'll never happen again. And then if that person still can't find enough self-control, then you go to their supervisor or to human resources. Then they're formally warned. If you continue this behavior, you will be terminated. And if they continue it, they get fired. That's the system. Now if somebody goes over that line and actually assaults you. Call the police. You're paid to do a job. You're not paid to be harassed, groped, assaulted, let alone raped. So really what is wrong with the system? The system was fine. NBC failed the system. NBC needs new leadership. Matt Lauer just needed to be gone. No, now they're going to take it one step further, and now if you don't snitch and you don't report, you're going to get fired. I got to tell you, I'm one of those guys that is so naive and so able. I'm the last person to know if anybody's having an affair in a building. I don't care. I'm not looking for it. Quite frankly, I got my hands full. Just making sure that God stays number one in my life, my wife stays number two, and my kids stay number three, and my vocation stays number four. I'm really not looking for other people's lives and failures. The chances of me getting fired for sexual harassment are absolutely zero, unless this gets so weaponized that anybody can say anything. Now, the chances of me getting fired for not reporting something, because I'm oblivious, I don't know how they're going to prove it. But wait, Pandora's box gets way worse than this. So staffers have been told that if they find out about an affair, they got to go straight to their supervisor. A romance, even if it's consensual, inappropriate relationship, or behavior in the office. And I guess that would be up to whomever wants to interpret it. We're having interpretation problems as it is. Staffers are shocked to know that they're now being asked to snitch on their friends. The report says that the rules have also been issued, for conduct in the office, including how long you hug a colleague. Can you imagine? Now, listen, I watch the, you know, football all the time. I can't figure out how you, how you tackle somebody. You can't touch a quarterback. You can't touch a receiver. You can't even tackle legally anymore. Can you imagine somebody trying to interpret whether or not a, a hug was too long or, frankly, too close? Did you immediately release? Did you step away to avoid body contact? And it even includes socializing. Now, I got to tell you, just based on where it's headed, I have no plans to talk to anybody at work. I just can't do it. I have too much on the line. I have very expensive, spoiled, ungrateful children. I can't risk losing my job. I'm not laughing with anybody. I'm not telling jokes with anybody. I don't care if they're married. Not married, what they did this weekend. I sure as heck aren't getting in an Uber with them. I mean, I would no more go out to after work for drinks. I don't drink anyway, but if you did, you got to be nuts in this environment. And if this is what NBC is doing, and if this becomes a new standard, and look at the great bait and switch. The system was never the problem. All men are not doing this, and all women aren't feeling assaulted. But this is how it's begun. You've already seen it weaponized to the point where nobody is innocent until proven guilty. Everybody is guilty, and it's their burden to prove they're innocent. And that's if they get a chance, they'll probably destroy before they can. You've already heard the left say, and you've heard women come right out and say it. Men, you don't have any say. None whatsoever. Keep your mouth shut on this topic. That's when you know they're really intellectually bankrupt. When many drivers said that, basically she's using the same argument that they did with abortion. As if they're all immaculate conceptions and no man played a role in it. As if it's medically still a part of their body when it's different DNA. And I don't know of any woman that has four arms, four legs, and in some cases, two heads and a pee-pee if it's a boy. These are old, intellectual. This is like what they did with global warming, Right. The debate's over. I don't want to talk about it. Uh, but the one degree get corrected. We've gone into cooling. The ice is back. The seas aren't rising. I don't want to talk about it. The debate's over. We've allowed this to become unconstitutionally weaponized, become a weapon created to be used on Trump and now a war on all men. And now the left getting its way is making it a war in the workplace. They create the problem. They don't admit any guilt. And they create a false solution that impacts. It's like the, it's like, I got to show my ID to get cough medicine now. I don't make meth. I'm not a drug addict. But because somebody is, I can't go get cough syrup now without showing my identification. This is how insane it's all getting. And so I think, you know, yeah, sex scandals, generically, that's a top story in 2017. But what's really behind it? A failed bankrupted false gospel you have done nothing but attack and bash god God god-fearing americans and people who live by his word because he's past present and future yesterday today and forever and he created us and he knows how to keep us out of trouble and how to keep us fulfilled and joyful and happy all the people that attacked it and created this moral relativistic pluralistic anything goes is okay it was a false gospel, and it created this problem. Is there any confession or repentance? No. Do they realize this is their leftist? I mean, when you think of Matt Lauer drilling Bill O'Reilly, knowing what we know. Now they're allowing it to turn into a war on all men, because all men are up to no good. All men are trying to hug, squeeze too tight. All men have locks on their office door. And now they're creating a chaotic war on the workplace. When somebody brings up sex scandals being the story of the year, I hope you think of that. Because behind every headline is a story, and behind every story, there's so much to talk about. And just like if they put Trump on the list, it won't be for the right reasons. When we come back, I want to explore the stories that really shaped 2017 that nobody's acknowledging. Michael Giorno in Nashville, in for Dr. Savage, on the Savage Nation next. Savage. Welcome back into the Savage Nation. I am Michael Journal from Nashville, Tennessee. And for Dr. Savage, the phone number 855 That's 855-400-SAVAGE. Uh, I can tell by the subject line and topic line, this is going to be our caller of the day. John, listening to WABC in New York, welcome to the Savage Nation. Hey, you know what's kind of funny? <laughs> I mean, uh, I hope somebody from NBC is going to tell somebody from MSNBC that... Uh, Mika and Joe have uh, been fooling around and both married. That's kind of really bad. They should be fired off that show right now. I make... would hope somebody reports that immediately. <laughs> exactly. I mean, he should have Bernie Sanders. He lost. He was cheated out of superdelegates. The best thing they can do is get Bernie Sanders on the show at least and get him <laughs> out. Well, I mean, it just shows you. By the way, thanks for being the caller of the day, John. Great observation. Uh, it just goes to show you how you can't allow the the creation of the problem, to create the solution. And they just haven't thought it through that much. Look, most of us aren't into these leftist, crazy, false gospels, false bankrupt moralities and narratives. Everybody knows the difference between appropriate and inappropriate. And sometimes when the lines are blurred, a human being can look at another one and say, that makes me feel inappropriate. It feels inappropriate to me. It makes me uncomfortable. I've been in radio now over too long, 35 years. I've had one person in 35 years, and I can't even remember the example, but it it shouldn't have really made that person feel uncomfortable. But they said, "That, that feels inappropriate to me. I said, oh, my gosh, I'm sorry. And it never happened again. I mean, we can work this out. And where people can't control themselves, we have immediate supervisors. We have human resources departments. There's nothing wrong with the system as it is. Look, at if somebody's joking around in a manner that makes you uncomfortable, you tell them. And if they don't stop, you go to your your supervisor. If they still don't stop, they get fired. We don't need a new system from NBC. And yes, the very system that they created, because they feel like they have to, instead of just saying, wow, Matt was really wrong. Wow, we were all systemically really wrong to be greedy and cover up for him. No, they got to create some new policy. And it's just nonsense. You know, when we come back, we're going to take a look at, and I think it's an important exercise to do. I always say one of the greatest examples of bias are the stories that are ignored. And then the stories that are chosen. I mean, CNN actually had a breaking story. Donald Trump told us all Christmas Day... That Have a Merry Christmas, and then tomorrow it's back to work. And we spotted them on a golf course. They actually made that a news story. Why is it when Rosie O'Donnell, like who cares what Rosie O'Donnell thinks, when she tweets, why is that news? How do you do that story and not the GDP growth? Or not the record spending, highest spending at Christmas in over seven years? Or for the first time in 10 years, the highest increase in home values? All right, because they're biased, blatantly, brazenly. So bias is always demonstrated by, A, stories you ignore, which I'm going to address next hour in our segment, because these are really the four biggest stories of the year that nobody's talking about. Then by angles. They'll all agree that Trump is a top story, but not for the same reasons I do. And even in the case of CNN, they will acknowledge that Dow's up 5,000. They'll acknowledge the GDP is up 66%. They'll acknowledge he's slashed regulations and companies are growing and now the tax cut and, you know, strong defense and decimating ISIS and standing up to another And Then they'll tell you, but if that's the only measurement you use to judge his first year as a president, well, you're missing the most divisive and vitriolic presidency ever. Well, yes, God forbid we acknowledge what's worked. Campaign promises kept. I think most people are catching all of this. When I share with you four stories that really were the top four stories of 2017, nobody wants to acknowledge, let alone the ones that we have acknowledged, but shed, I hope, a much different light than others in a journalistically death, brazenly biased media. Hopefully we gave you a different perspective today on the Savage Nation. And we'll continue that perspective next hour. Also, I'm going to salute Disney. We're using common sense. Next. Michael Savage, a host like no other.